You're listening to a podcast from the House of Literature in Oslo, presenting adapted versions of lectures and conversations featuring international writers and thinkers. You can find more information about the House and our events on our website. Buenas noches y bienvenidos a todos y todas a la Casa de la Literatura. Especialmente bienvenido al escritor guatemalteco Eduardo Alfón. Es un gran placer que esté aquí esta noche. And then we'll switch to English before some of you in the audience get very nervous. Good evening, everyone. My name is Astrid Udal, and I work with this arti uh, artistic program here at the House of Literature. And it is my honor to welcome you to this event with Eduardo Halfon, which also marks the beginning of our three days program focusing on Caribbean and Central American literature. The Guatemalan writer Eduardo Halfon is a central voice in the new wave of literature from Central America and the Caribbean. He has also published 11 books altogether. He was named one of Latin America's best young writers by the Hay Festival of Bogota, and he has been awarded the prestigious French Roger Callion's Prize. This fall, Halfon has two titles in Norwegian, Polske Boxan, The Polish Boxer, and Sorg, Morning, both translated by Signebreutz. These books are different in many ways, while the Polish boxer is an episodic novel, Morning would be called, uh, could be called a literary exploration of the death of a child. The narrator, however, seems to be similar in the two books. He has an eye for the comical and the absurd, but he is also characterized by a certain gravity and weariness of life. Central to the world, in, uh, central to the worldview and the exploration of identity that we find in both novels is also the trauma that the Holocaust has been and is for the Jewish people. In his latest novel in Norwegian, Morning, Halfon's Jewish background is even more prominent in the story. We have been lucky enough to get writer and editor, editor Mattis Eube to lead the conversation tonight. He too has written novels where horrific events affect the lives of individuals. His last novel, Elskere, from 2016, has the terror attack of July the 22nd as a backdrop for the story about grief and love. I am so happy to welcome both Eduardo Alfon and Mattis Eube to our stage. Please give them a warm hand. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you all hearing me? Yes. Great. Um, in 1963, uh, the Irish writer Frank O'Connor published a small book called The Lonely Voice. There he presents a very interesting theory about the short story, where he tries to define it and separating it from the novel. In short, he claims the following. Where the short story is individual, the novel reaches for the general. Where the short story resists interpretation, the novel always tries to help its reader along to get its message through. Unlike the novel, 
where the characters, through the evolution of the story, evidently become representatives of something. A class, an emotional type, a disease, a case, a religion, politics. The people who populate the short story remain, according to O'Connor, themselves. It is the specifics, the details, the particulate that defines them and is the hallmark of the form. He writes, The novel is bound to be a process of identification between the reader and the character. And he concludes, in the end, the short story is not. This is a theory, of course, that invites criticism. It would probably be easy to find novels and short stories that doesn't fit the criteria. But anyway, I thought about Frank O'Connor's ideas while reading The Polish Boxer and Morning by Eduardo Alfon, because they too resist interpretation. Or more precisely, I thought I knew what I was getting, but got something else instead, or perhaps that is also a possibility I didn't get it at all. It is, as it is said in Morning, Sorg, about the meaning of the name, and this is what I'm going to say wrong, Amatitla, perfect, yes? Which is the name of the lake the novel is set. The main character is told sometimes that it means a place surrounded by fig trees. But he is also told other times that Amitlan means city of letters because of the hieroglyphs carved in the trees. But this is also told that it doesn't mean a thing. Ter Eduardo, welcome to Norway Thank and you. to the House of Literature. Thank you. So, are you a novelist or are you a short story writer? You begin with an easy one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jump uh, off. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah? Um, uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. It's, it's uh, an honor, really. Uh, my first time in Scandinavia. I'd never been anywhere. Uh, I had an ideal image of Oslo, uh, and you're living up to it so, so far. We'll see how the weekend goes. Uh, as you can tell by my English, I'm, I'm an English speaker. Um, before I answer your question, yes. I'll just explain why my English is like this. Uh, I was born in Guatemala but left when I was 10 with, with my family and grew up in, in, in Florida, in the United States. And English became my stronger language. You know this, right, yes, I know this. Uh When I went back to Guatemala after college, I had to recover Spanish. I had lost my Spanish. We could, with my siblings, we could barely speak it. We could understand it because our parents always spoke to us in Spanish, but we would immediately, as soon as we got to the, to the U.S., answer in English. So when I'm writing, uh, I only write in Spanish, but I'm thinking in English, which is very bizarre. Anyways, that's why my English is... is <laughs> and I am only a short story writer. Yes, you're only a short story writer. I n have never written a novel. Uh, some of my editors would disagree. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at the title page here, and it's called a novel. I well, no, no, not... This one is? Yes, this yeah, one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Sorg. I'm sorry. Uh, am I saying that right? Sorg? Yes, yeah, Sorg. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a long story. Mm. Yeah? Um, uh, 
it's long enough <laughs> that it can be published by itself and called a novel mm. or a novella. Would that, would that word exist in Norwegian? Novella exists or short, short, short novel. novel. Um, but I feel very comfortable in the short story. I, I, I like what you said about Conroy. I had forgotten his description of the short story, and I particularly like the word resistance. Mm. No? This, this resistance to something um, of this genre, uh, to interpretation or to, to actually grab onto it. No? Mm. You, it they're hard to, to hold stories. Yes. Uh, novels, not so much. Novels, you can... You can, you can get your hands around them, you can, you can interpret in many ways, different ways, but you can interpret. Um, I, and and I think it's easier to, to ask the, the dreaded question every writer uh, dreads, is that, what is your book about? You yeah, right, right. In, in my case, it's very difficult. Yes. To, to write a, a, the text for the back cover is very, very difficult, especially with books like The Polish Boxer, mm. where it goes everywhere. There's, you know, these stories go everywhere. And they were written as stories. Mm. They were not written as chapters. Um, so maybe I can answer you that way. Yeah. You know? when, I, when I write one of these pieces, let's call them pieces, um, I'm only thinking about that piece. I don't know what's going to happen when I start. Uh, I have an image, usually, um, that I want to get to or start from. It's usually emotional. Mm much more so than, than rational or visual. It's an emotional thing. And I let go. And I let that image take me wherever it needs to take me. This is something very hard to do for an engineer. Hmm. Yes. I'm an engineer. And you're an engineer. I'm an engineer. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I don't come from letters. I'm, I studied engineering. And I'm still very much an engineer when I write. But th that impulse to, to, to just let go, I'm not in control here, the story winds up taking me somewhere completely um, new. I don't expect it. So the Polish boxer, where did that start? Did that start in the Polish boxer, no. the, the title? No? no, 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 no. The first story of that book I wrote uh, was, I don't know how you translated it, um, uh, White Smoke. Yeah, White Smoke and Twaining mm. also. Those two I worked yes. on together which are there in the book, but no. I was just writing stories. Mm. Now, why does it work like a novel? Why, why does it work to put these stories together and have them become what we called it with Tore, an episodic novel? Mm. I think that's closer to the truth. Mm. I think a novel is not precise enough um, because when you say novel, the buyer, in this case, is expecting something. There's an expectation when you buy a novel. Um, there's chapters, there's, there's, a, there's an arc, um, and in this case, it's, it's not that. Uh, so I have a lot of disappointed readers. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. I do. I get, I get the feedback from people who are expecting a different type of book. Expecting boxing. For example. Mm. Mm. For example, there's no, there's no boxing in the book. No, there's no. <laughs> no? There's, there's, the, there's a ghost of a boxer who's mm. very, very present but never appears. Mm. Um, so they work as a collection because it's the same voice. It's the same narrator. Mm. It's this other Eduardo Halfon, um, who looks a lot like me, who has my bio, but smokes. I don't smoke. No. Smokes a lot. He smokes a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Throughout. Mm. Mm. So he became this character that is looking for something. He's looking for something. I still mm. don't know what. And he began with those stories. He begins in the Polish boxer. That voice. I found that voice right there, with those two stories particularly. 
Um, and then I kept writing other stories about him. Mm. Mm, distant, the first story in the book. Mm. Uh, epistrophe. Mm. About the Serbian, half-Serbian half Serbian piano player. <sighs> and finally, I wrote the title piece, mm. The Polish Boxer, which is a story about my grandfather. Which is a true story about your grandfather. Which is a true story about my grandfather. And yeah. what, what happened to him? What, what, uh, what's um, your grandfather? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume most of you have not read the book, mm-hmm. so, so not to bore you with this, mm-hmm. because if you've read it, I'm going to bore you a little bit. The, 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 my grandfather arrived in Guatemala. He's, he was Polish. He was from Łódź, as you say in Polish, or, or he would say Lodz in Yiddish. Um, he was captured in 39 and spent the entire war in camps, so six years and arrived in Guatemala in 1946 and never spoke about what happened. Uh, he just wouldn't speak of it. So when we were children and we would ask, what's that number? He would say, it's my phone number. Mm-hmm. I had my phone number tattooed in case I forget it. That was a little joke. Uh, and we eventually got that the joke meant, don't ask. I'm not going to talk about this. Late 90s, when I discovered literature, I discovered books very, very late. Uh, I was almost 30 when I started to read. Mm. But that's a different question. <laughs> uh, I asked him if he wanted to talk about it. I, I went to my mother, his daughter, and, and asked my mother which camps he had been in, and she didn't know. And I thought that was ter- terrible mm. you know, for the, for the family not to know anything about what happened. And I went up to him and I said, do you want to speak? He said, yeah, sit down. Then he took out a bottle of whiskey and I took out a camera, and I recorded it. Um, the first time he spoke in 60 years. So there was a lot of dust mm. on, on, on the memories. No? Um, he was very tranquil, very calm, but no order. He couldn't remember what happened first, then I went, then um, the, the, the order he didn't have. Mm. And he told me a lot of really, really bad things, uh, really big things. Mm. And within those, I think it was four or five hours, he suddenly told an anecdote in a minute and a half. Probably not even that. Probably it was like a minute about a boxer. And I knew Matis immediately. Mm. I knew as he was saying it that that was his story. Mm. Um, you know the story. It's, it's a very beautiful, very yeah. powerful anecdote <laughs> as, as it was to him. Mm. And I grabbed it and put it in my, in my pocket and didn't know what to do. Um, I'd tell people about it. I'd you know, I'd mm. take it out and put it back in. And I didn't know how to write it. I didn't know where to start. Uh, I didn't want to offend him. I was afraid to write it. And in the meantime, I was writing all these other stories. But within those stories, this little anecdote would pop its head up mm. and then hide. And so you can see the genesis of the book mm. because there is, a, there, there is a line that traverses all of those stories with his. Mm. He is the line that goes through the book. And eventually I wrote it. Eventually I wrote this piece. I was kind of forced into it by my then publisher. Um, Who wanted this piece he wanted to be... This piece. Yes. He wanted it's this not piece. finished yet. No, 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 it's oh. not finished. You need this piece. <gasps> and that's it. The, so the original Spanish book, of the, the Spanish version of the El Boxeador Polaco, the, the, the Polish boxer, is only five stories. Mm. It's 95 pages. One of those stories, The Serbian Pianist, then becomes another book. Mm. It grows. It becomes a chapter in a book called The Pirouette, which is included. Is in part here, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Another story of the book, 
um, White Smoke, Tamara, mm. is the chapter in Monastery, mm. which is another book. So this little 95-page book called The Polish Boxer starts giving birth, almost like a mother, <laughs> no? to other books. Uh, never planned. I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, so the fourth one is Senor Hoffman, which, mm. is also, which also comes out of that, and it's stories of that same voice, of that same narrator. And the fifth one is Sorg, Duelo in Spanish. Duelo in Spanish is a great word. Mm. And you, don't, you, you, you miss a little bit in Sorg. Um, Duelo in Spanish, and you, since you read the book, you understand this, has at least three meanings. Uh, it means Sorg, it means mourning, mm. um, but it can also mean combat, duel, uh-huh. which is a very important mm. uh, sure. in the novel yeah. or in the story. And it can also mean pain. Yo duelo. Mm. I hurt. Uh, and there's a lot of pain in the book. But uh, I'm, I, I think this is uh, an interesting... It's almost like a com- some sort of... You're writing... You, you keep on writing yeah. one big book, yeah. in a way. Absolutely. That's... that's Perfectly stated. Yeah. Uh, so different countries in all these translations, the Germans, the, the Japanese, they've put together all of these stories in however they see fit for their country. Um, we, we get together with each publisher and I say, what, what, what version do you want? Do you want a short book? Do you want a long book? Because it is one big <laughs> yeah. book. Or do you want everything? Mm. I've yet to have the, have the publisher so want, want everything. <laughs> yeah, but I'm waiting. Um, but but something's happening uh, because uh, in this book there's nine stories and in the English version there's there are ten ten stories. So there's one more. And one mm. of the interesting things is that this book it's really um, it's framed uh, like that the first novel like the first story is about a short story class. Right. 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 Uh, Eduardo is a teacher. Is a teacher. Yeah. Uh, and the last story in this book is a speech, a speech. about the relation between literature and, and reality. And reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, a, as a trained, not a trained reader, as a reader, I think, yes, this is something, this pleases me because it's a, it's a framing. It's a, it's, it, it, gives it, us, it's, yeah. it gives a good framing. Yeah. Aha, this is a book about, among other things, literature. Yeah. Yeah. But then, Sunsets, which yeah. I haven't read, but it's part of the German and the English yeah. Yeah. version. Yeah. Yeah. Is another story. Is another story, and it comes after yeah. the lecture or the speech yeah. Uh, yeah. in Portugal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sunset is is, is uh, <laughs> it's my uh, my grandfather's uh, death scene. He dies, and I, I enter the, the the story opens with with the narrator entering the room a Saturday morning, and his body is on the bed. Mm. Um, so the Americans thought that was a good ending. Good ending. The mm. the, the death of this character. Um, but sunset in Spanish, <laughs> in the Spanish version, is in monastery. Mm. It's in a different book, and it will be hopefully in the Norwegian monastery, Gloucester, no? mm. maybe. <laughs> but you see what you, yeah. I, I, you see what you're doing. At, um, I, I think I, I, th- I thought about it when I read it uh, and and saw these different versions. Which which book? Which the Polish boxer will be there when you are dead? You know, which is the definitive work? Okay, uh, Eduardo Alfon, he has this uh, Polish yeah, boxer. Yeah. This is yeah. the work. You know, Marlon Jesus was, was speaking earlier about the text never being finished um, when he was talking about translation and that a translation should be uh, 
constant. No, there, there should be constant new translations of a book because it evolves. And I, and I was thinking when he was saying that that, that, that that is exactly what's happening with my stories because uh, translations have changed the original. Hmm. So Signe, for example, found a few things in, when translating the stories into Norwegian that later changed the original. So every time I publish again in Spanish, yeah, you I, change. I change everything. Yeah. I change things, I, I change order, I take out, I put in. So the definitive <laughs> will be the one right before I die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Uh, that's, that's it, I'm done. I can't, I can't touch this anymore. Yeah. But up until that point, I will play, I will uh, move, I will uh, contradict myself, as you know from mm. Povoa, mm. Uh, which destroys the previous story. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's one big game. It's, it's, we, sh- we shouldn't be so solemn, you know, with, with what we write. Um, it isn't. But is it, is it what is, when you, uh, for example, is it part of the game when you put your own name into the story oh. and you use yourself or your own name as yeah. a, a narrator? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I started writing that way, you know, 15 years ago now, a little bit more than that. Uh, the first book I wrote called Saturno, Saturn. Uh, it's a very strong book. It's a very short book, 40 pages, 50 pages. And it's a letter to a father. It's, an, it's written in second person. Mm. And it's a narrator who looks a lot like me, writing, speaking to a father who looks a lot like my father. I don't name him. He still doesn't have my name. Uh, this, I'll, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about it so, to answer your question. Mm. He's obsessed with suicide writers. And he's telling his father about each suicide writer and how each father played a role in that suicide. So Virginia Woolf's father, Hemingway's Mm. father, et cetera, et cetera. Many. All the while recriminating their relation, his absence. It's it's, it's a cry to an absent father. And you can feel that this narrator is going mad. He's slowly getting closer and closer himself to suicide. You can, you can feel mm. this in the book. Uh, my father's alive, but I killed him in the book. Mm. It was very important to do that, metaphorically. This book is still verboten in my family. Uh, we can't even talk about it. Uh, for obvious reasons. But I was... Uh, the first reviews that came out, I still remember the first review that came out in Guatemala. And the title was Tenemos que salvar a Halfon. We have to save Halfon. <laughs> they thought I, that that was me. Yeah, that was you. Mm. And I loved it. Mm. I loved the fact that they read this little piece as real, as mm. true. Uh, so then my second book, I gave him my name. I said, I'm going I'm to take this. A step further? Yeah. yeah. Because what they were doing, Matis, was reading like children. Yeah? Hmm. It's sold as fiction. My books are sold as fiction, but for some reason, when you get to page five, you forgot that. And you read it as autobiography, yeah. as memoir. It's fiction. Even if you're a trained critic in a, in a, in a newspaper. It happens everywhere. Hmm. Everywhere. So I think it's just a little trick hmm. to give him my name. Now, I, I could have given him, you know, Bolaño made his narrator Belano, hmm. but, it's, but it's Bolaño. Hmm. No? Madame Bovary, c'est moi, said Flaubert. Hmm. Uh, they're always us. They're extensions of us. In my case, I get them really close. I take away any veil. 
I give them my name, mm. my bio, and readers believe the stories. And, and, and that, that belief, it's almost like a faith thing, no? Um, why? It makes the emotional image that I want to give you much more strong, much stronger. But You're going to feel it more. Yeah, but isn't it also, I, I can see that, and I think it's an interesting game, but it's also, it, the name uh, is two things. It's, it's, it's an assurance, because it's, it says to us, this is true, this happened to right. me, but it's also uh, a trick. You can feel the trick, because yeah. Yeah. in, in uh, the Polish boxer, there's a, a girlfriend uh, who draws her orgasms. Right. And when you get to that point, you think, well, well, uh, I'm not sure if I, um, this is true. I'm not sure if this is true. And I'm, I'm part of the game. It is know? true. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. Somebody who draws their yeah. orgasms? Yeah. Oh. It, it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> it's not all real, but, but it's all true. <laughs> okay, 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 so okay. That's the definition, yes. Yeah, but uh, it, it, is, it is just a small trick. Uh, I'm very open about the trick. Yeah. But still, it, the artifice works for some reason. So the best way I can explain why I do this is that how I do it Uh, is perhaps more interesting. I would say that the, the, my bio, yeah? hmm. the, the fact that I give him my bio, my name, he was born in Guatemala, he's from a Jewish family, all of that is just the backdrop. Hmm. Yeah? If this was theater, that's the backdrop. The drama that, is, that takes place on stage is the fiction part. Yeah? Um, that's the, that's the, the illusion part. Hmm. Um, so my bio only serves me as a context. Yeah. But, but as the story with the grandfather, uh, uh, imprisoned in Auschwitz, mm -hmm. and the story about the, the tattoo and so on, that's really, really a powerful story. Exactly. And it is as if we need it to be true right. and, and real. Right. You know? And when you insert these games and... Isn't it a danger? I don't, I'm not saying it, it is, because I think it works beautifully, but it's in a danger that you make everything relative in a way, yeah. that you don't really have control uh, uh, of some of the motifs that you really need to be powerful. And But I don't have control. Hmm. I, I don't have control over those. Um, the only thing I can do is, is, is put this together in such a way... This is artificial, right? So I'm putting this together in a, in a way that to you it looks whole. It seems whole. It seems real or true or, or entire. But I'm really... Um, it's, 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 it's all a trick. Mm. No? It's all a trick because I am manipulating parts of the story. I'm giving you this first, then this. I'm withholding one, one piece of it because you don't need it yet. Mm. Um, so you can make a, a, a point uh, for all writing being fiction. Just because you're always doing that. Even if it is autobiography, even if it's memoir, you are deciding what to give when mm. and how to give it. Uh, and that's fiction. Mm. Yeah? That, that is the, the, the hand of the magician. Yeah? Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a big subject. It's a big subject. And it, I think it's, it's interesting because you, you touch some sort of, uh, in a general sense, you touch some sort of ethical points here. Because... It would be unethical, in a way, to invent a Holocaust victim. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you, uh, why should you invent a Holocaust right. victim when there's right. six millions of them or right. more? Uh, so, so I, but 
so you, in that sense, I think you, you would need, in an ethical way, you would need this story exactly. of your grandfather exactly. to be true. Exactly. And therefore, we need, and that's part of the play, maybe, that we need your interviews saying, telling us, this is, this is true. true. This is true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And it is. Mm. It is. And you have them. Mm. You, know, you have that validation, if you will, mm. of, of uh, th me being uh, very respectful and very uh, cautious with that story. Mm. Yeah. Especially with that story. Mm. And there's yeah. other stories yeah. that are not yeah. so yeah. delicate, but that one is. And, and this is a very interesting uh, trait about uh, your character, because when he is confronted with these stories from the Second World War and yeah. Sachsenhausen, he's, not, he's reluctant to yeah. go into them. Yeah. Uh, he's in Berlin, in yeah. the morning he's in Berlin, and he's going to Sachsenhausen, he doesn't really want he to go there? To go. No. No. no, 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 no. No. And no. Has, why? Why? Why is he? Why doesn't he want to go there? Because because of this kind of overstep. In, in part, mm. in part, there's something else that is very interesting, and this gets more to Sorg. Every book that I've written, every one, has been a forbidden book. From the first one, mm. yeah, uh, this this suicide book. Uh, I know when I'm writing it that I'm going against what's expected of me. Uh, I'm telling a story that I shouldn't tell. Mm. Uh, you know, the Polish boxer, I still have uncles, my, my father's, my grandfather's sons who won't speak to me. Mm. Because of it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they never read it. It's just that they got offended that I made public something that was that private. Was private. Mm. Uh, monastery, a very delicate story. It starts with my arrival in Israel uh, from my sister's Orthodox wedding. Um, and then goes somewhere else, but, mm. but it was uh, my sister's forbidden story, so to speak. Mm. And she was the first reader. And Sorg, I don't know if, Dori, did we include, yeah, the, the, back, the, the back cover says um, a little bit about this. Uh, this was a story nobody in the family, especially my father, wanted told. Mm. And he asked me explicitly, not to write about because this. Of the, because this yeah. brother, yeah. this and death of this brother. Yeah, yeah. I, I was in Guatemala in 2015. The, the story begins with the drowning of, of Salomon. No? Um, Salomon. Mm. That was the first thing I wrote. It's a great first line. I, 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 I immediately liked the sound of it. Very biblical. No? Um, I was in Guatemala in 2015 and we were having a, a drink with my, with my father. He likes wines. And I asked again, as I did many times, about what happened to his, who would have been his older brother. He, he died before my father was born. And he told me a little bit, and right at the end he said, but why do you want to know all this? Hmm. Uh, I said, I, just, I don't know. Just please don't write about this. Don't write about my brother. Whatever you do, don't write about this. And the first thing I did when I got home was, <laughs> was write that line. Hmm. Wrote that first page, that first paragraph. And I get a feeling of... Um, I get, I get exhilarated. Because it's forbidden? Yeah, I think mm. so. There's this, there's this uh, don't try to censor me. Mm. Why are you trying to censor? Why are you trying to silence me? I'm going to look even more for that story if you try to silence me. Um, so I kept going. I didn't know where it was headed. I didn't know uh, if it was going to be a novel or, 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 or a story or two pages or a hundred pages. I had no idea. I had no idea it was going to go back and forth between childhood and, and, and present tense Amatitlan, mm. this lake in Guatemala. Um, I didn't know anything. I just knew I liked that paragraph. Um, but there is a sense of going against 
uh, censorship. Mm. And so, so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to go to the concentration camps. I don't want to tell these stories, but I, I feel like I have to. Mm. Yeah. Um, and my father, again, was the first reader. When, when, I, when I finished it, I said, I have something to tell you mm. <laughs> that you're not going to like. Uh, but your grandfather, did he read the uh, Polish book? That's very interesting. Uh, my grandfather was, was uh, he was, his last year, was he, he was not well. Mm. He, he, as soon as he opened up to me, he started opening up more and more and more and more, and, and he, then he couldn't contain himself. And he started to get a little delusional. Uh, especially the last month or two, he thought there were Germans in the room. Mm. He would speak to the to the officers. He thought his parents were walking around the apartment. Um, so when the book came out, the book came out a year before he died in Spanish. Mm. And my mother read it to him, and he cried the whole time. Mm. The day I entered, when he died, and, and I entered the room, and I left this out of the story. Yeah. I left this part Is out of the sunset? story. Mm. The book was on his nightstand. Mm. Um, he, I don't know if he got it. I don't know if he understood what I did. But I think part of his, his, his need to open up what he did was that he thought he was going to take this to the grave. Mm. He thought that story was going with him. Uh, it ends with me. It mm. ends with me. And mm. nobody's going to know what happened uh, during that time. But that's just my... He never said this, but that's what I, that's what I think. Mm. Um, I want to talk about, a bit about your um, identity, in a way. Uh -oh. um, because um, when, we, um, when I try to describe your identity in terms of national categories... Mm. It's very difficult. It's very difficult, and I end up with a lot of hyphens. Yeah. Eduardo Halfon is the Guatemalan Jewish, Lebanese, Polish, American writer, something like that's that. Pretty, that's very, that's yeah. very close, though. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, what do you consider yourself Nothing. as? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this because there's several of my chapines here. <laughs> uh, but I don't feel Guatemalan. No. No, tomorrow is Guatemala's independence. Uh, and there's a lot I love about Guatemala, and there's a lot I hate. And I think most of us from Guatemala can relate to that, to that statement, uh, especially now. You know, there's, there's a lot going on there that we don't care for. But I've never felt Guatemala. And I think you could, you could say that I left early. I left young, and, and, and that's why. You know? I, 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 never, I lost the, the Guatemalan-ness. Mm. But that's not true. I remember growing up in Guatemala. We were one of maybe 100 Jewish families in the country. Hmm. So it's a very, very small, small Jewish community, community. Maybe 800 people. If you ask other Guatemalans, they think it's many more because there's four synagogues and, you know, it's this <laughs> illusion of a... But it was a very, very small community. Hmm. So all of my friends were Catholic. All of them. In school. Uh, and you start noticing that you don't do what they do. You know? You're not allowed to celebrate Christmas and you're not, you're not doing a first communion and you, you know, and, and, and this is a country that revolves around those holidays. It's, mm. all, it's, it's a very Catholic calendar, no? Mm. Uh, Holy Week and, and the holidays are Catholic holidays and we didn't do it, we didn't observe, no? So it's almost like growing up watching the, the football match from the sidelines, yeah? Mm. You can watch but you mm. can't play. Mm. 
So you never really get into the, the country. And I think this is a very Jewish thing. Um, not just a Guatemalan Jewish thing. I think Jews in general will first be Jewish hmm. and then Mexican or then Argentinian. No? Hmm. Um, they'll, they'll chameleon themselves to, a, to appear to be from where they're at. Um, Wittgenstein wrote about this, the chameleon effect of the Jew. Zelig hmm. from Woody Allen is exactly that. Hmm. No? How you can almost contort your physical appearance to survive. It's a survival strategy. But you're never really there. You're never from there. Yeah? But this kind of lack of home, which is, yeah. uh, in a yeah. way... Uh, yeah. But I'm not, I don't feel American either. You don't feel American? No, 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 no. even less. Even less. But I, sound, I can sound American. You can sound American. I can dress American. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can... I can be called Eddie? I'm called Ed now. Yeah, no. Eddie as a kid, but mm. Ed now. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I can could, I could do that. And when I go to Spain, because I'm also Spanish, mm. by passport, my Spanish becomes Castellano mm. immediately. And I can appear a Spaniard. So uh, the world is your stage. Uh, as you can tell. As I can tell. I don't have a Dublin. Mm. Yeah? I mm. don't have a city. No. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm making the world my city. I, I write about anywhere. Um, almost looking for that city, you know? Mm. I thought about this, um, this uh, joke that's been told in parts of East Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, where things are back around, uh, uh, the other way around. Mm. It's the story that goes something like, it's a joke that goes something like this, that a man is born in Austria, goes to school in Poland, marries in Germany, gets his children in the Soviet Union, and dies in Ukraine, mm. and never in his life, so goes the joke, does he leave his village. Yeah. Because that's history, in a way. Yeah. But your story is the way around because it's 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 uh, uh, the Woj and there's uh, Beirut and there's uh, Lebanese and there's right, right. The world. And, and that is part the part of my identity that people understand the least mm. that I'm both Jewish and Arab. I'm both. Mm. Um, my grandfather was Lebanese, Halfon. Um, my grandmother was Egyptian, both Jews, but left. Alexandria and, and, and Beirut. And their household in my, in my childhood was absolutely Arabic. Hmm. They spoke Arabic. The food was Arabic. Um, there's things that I have in my memory that I don't know if they're Jewish or Arabic. There's words that I don't know if they're Hebrew or Arabic hmm. uh, or dishes that she would cook. So that it was just one, one thing. Uh, and, and, and this is what uh, monastery is about. I use Israel as a context and my sister's Orthodox wedding to delve into that hmm. part of my identity. Um, but I'm both. But uh, does this kind of multi-layered identity uh, has been able to, does it reflect, it reflects in your book, but yeah. it has been able to, you have been able to go to places where you couldn't have gone? I'd, I'd, I'd like to go to Beirut, mm. and, but I think I, I don't know if I can. Mm. Uh, so, that's a concrete example. Um, but this is, a, I think, for, in literary terms, this is a good thing. Hmm. Yeah? Um, it also happens linguistically. Hmm. I'm neither in Spanish or English. I'm, I'm somewhere in between. Hmm. Uh, no? in, in terms of language, I don't have an identity either. So the nice thing, or the beautiful thing would, for you to say now, so literature is your home. Hmm. 
I've, 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 <laughs> I've been writing for 15 years now, waiting for somebody to kick me out. I, 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 I shouldn't be here, Matisse. I, I was not meant to be a writer. Hmm. You know, I was groomed to be a very dutiful, uh, firstborn Jewish boy, you know, and, and the, the, that, that follows a certain path. And something happened when I was in my late 20s, and everything went upside down. And, and, but I shouldn't be a writer. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for somebody to notice this. <laughs> uh. But maybe I, I'm, uh, I'm a bit obsessed about this uh, uh, idea of identity because, yeah. because in Norway, being a Norwegian writer is an easy answer. Yeah. We, I'm a Norwegian writer because yeah. I write in Norwegian. Yeah. And our national identity is really connected, it's so strongly connected to our language, and it was fought for uh, and constructed in a way, in parts of it anyway, as a national language to create the nation. And that differs radically from you uh, and your background, but also your knowledge of English and Spanish, which are both global, global languages. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know why I started in Spanish. You know, that, that moment when I began writing, um, I didn't know Spanish when I began writing. I, I kind of knew it, uh, but it, I just started in Spanish. One answer, one possible answer, is, is that I was back in Guatemala. Yeah? I, was, I was at the university. I was reading in Spanish. I was living back in Spanish. But a, a, a more beautiful answer, and I think a truer answer, is that my childhood was in Spanish. Mm. Yeah? Not my mother tongue, but my child. Those, those first 10 years. Uh, and if you read my, my stories with that in mind, uh, they make more sense. Hmm. Most of my stories, most of my books are looking back or, 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 or trying to find my way back there. Yeah? Almost like a paradise lost where you know, I, was, I, was, I was kicked out. Hmm. And I'm trying to get back to those 10 years. And they were in Spanish. Uh, my grandfather told the joke in Spanish. Salomon died or didn't die we don't, hmm. in the lake in Spanish. Hmm. A prettier answer, hmm. but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I live somewhere in between, um, and it and it works. My Spanish is very contaminated by English. It's not proper Spanish. Hmm. Uh, I've, I've developed my own private Spanish that works. Literary, hmm. literary, in literary terms. But there's there's a lot of examples for uh, uh, writers doing yeah. this. Yeah. And Nabokov. Uh, into English. It's, it's mostly to English. It's no? mostly Conrad. to English. Conrad. Yeah. Yeah. Alexander Hemon, Hemon. Um, mm -hmm. Valeria Luselli, who was just here, is now writing in English mm. while living in, in Philadelphia. Mm. So yeah, you see, uh, not so much going back to Spanish. No, I don't know of another case who, who, of a writer who goes back to Spanish. Um, the smart thing would have been to write in English. There's more of a market. There's you know, my books started being published elsewhere once they were in English. Mm. They needed to be in English first so that. The, a Japanese editor or a Norwegian editor could read them. They mm. couldn't read them in Spanish. Mm. English was the gateway into, into other, other countries. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It's just, just Spanish seems natural to me mm. to, in, when I write literature and fiction. Um, one trait that describes both um, our hero, Eduardo Helfon, and the stories he narrates is their openness. Yeah. Uh, and the world seeps in, in a way, um, as we talked about. Uh, 
Not that has to do with Eduardo's Jewish, Polish, Lebanese, and so on background, but also how the stories evolve. And, we, and we've discussed this a bit, but I want to talk a bit more about it because nothing goes according to plan. No, so to speak. nothing. And this, well, there is no plan. No. But when you start reading, you think there's a plan. You think you know where this is going. No, mm. when, when you start yeah. the, one of the stories, as I do when I'm writing it, I also have ideas. They never go there. Mm. They never go there. I'll give you a concrete example. Um, monastery, when I arrive for the sisters' Orthodox wedding, I could envision the ending of that book being the wedding. This crazy, mm. you know, spectacle of a wedding. Tempting in a way. Yeah, it? It, it, it never arrives. No. It didn't arrive. It didn't arrive. It never got there. I got to an ending that was the ending and I stopped. And so there's readers who still uh, want that wedding because they, it was in their mind. When they started the book, they mm. were offered a wedding mm. and they want it in, in some way. As you offered a Polish boxer. As I offer a Polish boxer. Mm. Um, as I offer more information at the beginning of Sorg. Mm -hmm. no? and, 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 it, and it goes elsewhere. It goes mm. deeper into Guatemala than it does into this little boy. Mm. Uh, I thought the book was going to go to New York. You know why. We mm. won't tell them why. And mm. never got there. So I also have expectations that are rapidly destroyed. Rapidly. And I think th that, going back to Conroy, I think mm. that is what makes them short stories, much more so than length. Mm. Yeah? That, that idea of surprise, um, their intensity, mm. you know, the, the red, there should be read with certain intensity, mm. uh, written with that intensity. Uh, and th the resisting, the resisting the expectation of, of the reader. Yeah? Almost, almost like I'm resisting uh, being, trying to be silenced. Mm. Yeah, but, and, and the strange thing happens, uh, in my view, that when we read about the Polish boxer and we get a half-Serbian piano player, yeah. it, it makes sense, uh, yeah. Yeah. even though. Yeah. And his search for his gypsy identity... It parallels, parallels the narrator's yeah, search. Yeah. The narrator's yeah. search. Yeah. And one crucial uh, motive in both these books are the quest. Yeah. You know? That's a great word. Does it exist it, in Norwegian? No, I don't think so. It doesn't exist in Spanish. No. No, there's no word for quest in Spanish. You'd say uh, busqueda. When, when I ask my writers, you need a quest. I, I ask, I use that word. You, you use the English word. Yes, I use the English word. Yeah. yeah, this guy is on a quest that he doesn't know of. Hmm. He doesn't know he's on a quest. He doesn't know exactly what that grail is that he's looking for, but he's looking for something. Uh, and you can feel that in, in, in the stories, in, in the books. But, in, uh, but I'm not sure that's true, though, because in morning... Uh, he, the narrator, Eduardo, goes to this lake mm -hmm. to investigate. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, we believe that the, to investigate the death, the death. of his uncle. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But, or the memory. Or the memory, the memory of it. And the memory of it. Yeah. And, the, the, and, the, and suddenly it becomes a, a book about memory. Right. Hmm. right. And, and, and the falseness of memory. And the... And the, and the, uh, the, the uncertainty memory um, and what he finds is something else hmm. yeah he's looking for more details about what really happened not not so much with the boy but with his remembering of the boy i don't want to ruin this for, for hmm. 
And what he finds is something else. He, he finds uh, the, the broken foot. No? Yes. You, you know what, you know what I'm But he also, he also uh, and that I think is really interesting, is that he insists in a way that even the false memories yeah. are true. Right. Right. Because you've yeah. been living with them. Right. It is a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I've been living with this for 30 years, so it is real mm. to me. I don't know where it came from. I don't know, but it, it is real to me. Um, the, the curious thing, Matisse, is that he needs help always. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Uh, he needs a, a potion, mm. in this case, this magical potion, in order to see what he needs to see. Um, and the same thing happens in, in most of my books. There's, there's guias, there's guides to this narrator that help him out, that sort out the way. No? Um, it's usually women. Very strong mm. women. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's, he's, he's uh, lost. He mm. seems lost. He's lost in language as well. Mm. No? He says something and then, but it could be this, but it could be that. There's no certainty in, 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 in his speech or in his life or in his search. Um, but he accepts that in a way. Yeah. He, he accepts yeah. that his memories are... Uh, uncertain right. and uh, that you can't be sure that it really happened yeah. I, I was thinking about um, Borges uh, wrote a really beautiful story called Shakespeare's Memory yeah. and the story is that he it's about a Shakespeare scholar uh, getting Shakespeare's memory the whole bag the whole deal he gets it into his head that's the premise of the story uh, and he thinks of course that now I'm going to write the ultimate biography, Shakespeare biography, and because I know everything. But suddenly he started, starts to... Uh, n he's not sure what his mother tongue are. He's not sure uh, who, which woman he had the first time. Was it the brothel in Vienna or was it this right. uh, lady in somewhere in England? Uh, and the interesting thing, which I think is correlates to your books, is that the, it's the fictional characters of memory. You can't be sure, and, yes. the, and the memory yeah. really yeah. blends together. And that's why I think in fiction, fiction is a great vehicle for this, mm. because fiction allows for that uh, that game. No, uh, I think Marlon James was talking about three versions of one same act. You know, everybody's remembrance of how it happened is different. Mm. Is different. When I when I mentioned Salomon to my brother, he doesn't remember it. He lived it with me. Mm. Uh, he didn't remember it at all. Uh, you, and you remember it differently as you get older as well. You, you start changing that that memory, mm. uh, and that works wonders in fiction. You can you can really really play with that uh, and play with the reader as well. But you can play with the reader because also. Uh, 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 a possibility for dissolution yes. because when as an example when the grandfather tells the story about the Polish boxer right. to his grandson right. but later the grandson reads in the newspaper right. when the grandfather be has yeah. begun to talk about it he reads that he survived Auschwitz because he was a, a, a carpenter, carpenter a carpenter my grandfather had several versions mm. yeah I found this out late no he had given me the the, the, the boxer version, which they don't, most of them don't know yet, but he was saved in Auschwitz because of a boxer, more or less. Uh, but then I read in a newspaper, in an interview he gave, that he was saved because of his abilities as a carpenter. 
And the, I, 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 he told several versions mm. of why he was saved at Auschwitz. And once I asked him, why do you give different versions to, to different people? And I said, I give everybody the, the version he deserves. Mm. <laughs> so my grandfather was almost uh, uh, writing fiction about that, that memory, no? Mm. He had different variations of it, different... Uh, explanations for it, and he would give you the one he wanted. Yeah. So I, 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 I get the feeling that uh, uh, when we discuss now and the big book, the Polish boxer that we see uh, in the distant future, <laughs> distant uh, coming, you have lots of more to write about. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, you don't, I don't know. know. This is the question I get from my publishers. <laughs> What's, what, what are you What's working next? on? I don't know. I don't know. My son was born two years ago, and, and since he was born... Uh, I've been a father. You know this. Mm. You know this. This is uh, yeah. So so my life was turned upside down by a little boy. So I don't know what's coming next. I don't know if if if, if this voice uh, continues. I don't know where he's going. I don't know if he's gonna re- go back. Go. I have no idea. You, don't you want to? Uh, sometimes you want to kill him off. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, and and yeah, I do. <laughs> Because either he dies or I die. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it ends. No? <laughs> yes. Uh, There's no other way out. No, there's no way out. I painted myself into a corner. Now I have to end this somehow. Uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, If suddenly you get an idea for a science fiction novel, you know. You know uh, what? Mm. That would be fantastic. <laughs> It would be so much easier to talk about science fiction or just just a, a regular novel than to try to explain all the, why I do what I do. Hmm. Why do I give him my name? Why do I put my bio in there? Why does he smoke? Why, why are you linking stories? Why, why is it such a mess? It's really complicated. And I have to do this over and over and over. Uh, I have little diagrams about this, Venn diagrams, mm. that I'm going to project on Sunday because it's easier to see it, mm. yeah, of, of what I'm doing. I'm very much an engineer. Mm. So I, I, I visually diagrammed my books. Uh, it would be a lot easier if I was a, 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 a noir writer. I think, mm. but I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm this mess. But uh, I must say, it has been a pleasure and Likewise. easy to talk yeah. with you about this. Um, <laughs> I really uh, have to say, I hadn't read Eduardo Wahlfon before I said yes to do this show mm. and to do this conversation. And there are two beautifully magnificent books. I must just say that because I really was moved by them and thank you Duck. Mm. thank you <laughs> thank you you've been listening to a podcast from the House of Literature in Oslo presenting adapted versions of lectures and conversations featuring international writers and thinkers you can find more episodes and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes SoundCloud and our website The music is by Apotek.